Welcome to the Word of Life AG podcast. Man, we are so excited about this upcoming message series entitled Life Path. The whole series is dealing with our new membership process here at Word of Life. Mark your calendars. Our very first Life Path meeting for step one is on October 7th, 2018. Let's dive right into our message today. Um, week one talks all about knowing God. Get into the Word of God. Let's begin to dig a little bit. Go ahead and grab your smartphones, your tablets, whatever you're going to need to follow along. Uh, we're going to be uh, beginning a three-week pa- uh, uh, series called uh, Life Path, and I will explain more about that in just a few moments. Father, I ask that you would just continue moving us, Lord. We need you. We need to hear from you. We need, God, for you to give us the wisdom and the knowledge that we need to do everything you've called us to do, and Lord, to be everything you've called us to be. So I pray that, Lord, you will bless this word in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Can I ask you a question? Really, I want to know, are you a dreamer? Are you a dreamer? I want to share a little bit about my life. In my 63 years of life, I've had so many wonderful and good things that have happened to me. Many of you know July 5th, 1971, south side of Philadelphia. A 16-year-old punk ended up going to Philadelphia. I came to find Jesus as my Lord and Savior in a Roman Catholic church in there, and my life has never been the same since. It would be, in 19, uh, it would be November 16th, 1973, that I married the girl of my dreams, my high school sweetheart. I'm madly in love with her, but she's madly in love with me too, just so you know. From that union, we have three sons and a daughter. All of them are married, and the best prize is we have 15 grandchildren now. 15! 15 grandchildren. That means if anybody is hiring a part-time person so he can pay for Christmas, give me a call. I'm just kidding. Um, But anyhow, let me go on with my dreams that have come to pass. I got called into full-time ministry. I don't need this, right? I don't know why I've got this, so I'm going to shut this off. Is that okay? Sorry, I just realized. This thing on my head is a brand new fandangled thing. I've only used it a couple of times, so I've been using a handheld. <clears throat> I was called into full-time ministry at 19, in, at, uh, in 1984, and I became the very first full-time youth pastor here at Word of Life, another one of my dreams that had come to pass. Uh, on November 1st, 1987 to 1992, I was chaplain at West Point, the United States Military Academy. I was representing the Pentecostal side of, of uh, believers at West Point and uh, had a great ministry, loved it. And at the very same time, I was also planning a church in the little town outside of the gate of West Point, which is called Highland Falls. We planted a church right there, Marianne and I did. And then, of course, the last 26 years of our life, the last 26 years, I've been lead pastor here at Word of Life. And all I can say, what a ride. This has been a great ride being here at Word of Life all of these years. And I'm very sincere in saying this. All of my dreams, all of my dreams, plus a hundred others beyond these things that I've talked to you about, have come to pass. And I know that there's even more to come. I know that God has more in store for me and for every one of us. So let me ask you again this question. Are you a dreamer? Are you a dreamer and are you living out your dreams or are you just living life? Are you just living life without any dreams. Go with me to a few different scriptures. We find in Jeremiah 29, 11, the, the, the Jeremiah says, for I know the thoughts, this is God speaking, for I know the, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, to, uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 139, beginning of verse 14, uh, David declares, he says, 
Uh, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And all, uh, all the days are ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would, be, uh, they, uh, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake... I am still with you. My last scripture found in Psalm 103, again, one of my favorite. Psalm 103, verse, uh, begin with verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Uh, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who uh, uh, satisfies your mouth with good things, that your youth is renewed like eagles. Let me ask you again, are you a dreamer? Hearing these promises coming from God's word, hearing that God has a plan for every one of us, I'm asking you, are you a dreamer? Are you a dreamer or are you just living life with whatever may come your way? Whatever may happen in an hour from now or in three days from now. Is that how you're living your life or, or are, you, are you a dreamer? Listen, you and I were created by God for a reason. For his own special purposes, the Bible says. In other words, there's a reason why you are born at this time in human history and in live in this part of our world in this particular place. You see, God's dream for you is that your dream would be fulfilled at every level of your life. Whoever you are, whatever it is that you're involved with, whoever you are, in a personal level, God would want your dreams to be fulfilled. He would want your marriage, your family, your friends, your future. He would want your career. What you love most about life, God would want you to prosper. God would want you to be, to, to be fulfilled in all of that, that your dreams come to pass. You see, in the Bible, God would speak to men and women, and he would give them vision, and he would give them dreams as he would speak to people. And when God would give a person a vision or a dream, typically, typically, it would be prophetic. In other words, it would be something in in, in the near future, it would be something that would be that would come to pass. It is a it is a peek through a window of what God wants to do in and through that particular individual. It's a revelation. It's a glimpse of what God's plan is for your life. That's what a dream is. That's what the dreams would be and a, and a prophetic word that would be coming from heaven for you today or even in the near future or maybe even the distant future. Those dreams and things that God has in store. But here's the key behind the dream. It's a dream that you know in your heart and in your soul that this dream has come from the dream maker and it has been given to you. And it's a, it's a reality deep within your heart and deep within your soul that that dream will only come to pass by the hand of the God who has given it to you. Because what God does not do with your dreams, God does not give you a dream and go, good luck, I hope you make it. I hope everything is okay for you. Now, according to Isaiah 41, verse 10, and the Good News translation, I love it. It says it like this. It says, do not be afraid. I am with you. God saying these words, do not be afraid. I am with you. I, will, I am your God. Let nothing terrify you. I will make you strong and help you. I will protect you, and I will save you, is what he says. God says in his word to every one of us, every one of us who would call on him, every one of us who would follow him, he would say to you, I am with you. I give you this dream, I, I, I give you this plan, I am with you, I am with you, I am your God. Let me just tell you, that's how David was able to defeat Goliath. 
That was how Daniel was able to be spared in the lion's den and not be eaten by them. That's how the three Hebrew boys uh, were able to escape the fiery furnace of King Nebuchadnezzar. Listen, I believe dreamers need to, need to be audacious dreamers. Dreamers need to be audacious dreamers. The word audacious simply means to be bold, to be a daring believer, to be, to be, uh, to be bold or, or to be brave, or, or even one definition is overconfident. You are overconfident that this dream is going to come to pass, that God's will will take place. I want to let you know I have a dream. I've had, a, I had this audacious dream since June 1st of 1992 when I came here as pastor. It was immediately placed upon me, this dream that God had given me. That audacious dream has caused us at Word of Life to take steps and to take risks that quite frankly most churches would never do. Most leaders in a church would never want to take on. Many things that we have done over the years. Let me fast forward to 1997. In 1997, this church heard God. We heard God tell us that we need to do a 21-day time of prayer and fasting. That means 21 days with no food, folks. I lost about 30 pounds, and I found it all again. Thank God. <laughs> Anyhow, we fasted and prayed for 21 days. As a result of that, seeking God's will, seeking God's plan, help us to see the vision. Because once God gives you vision, once God gives you a, a dream, it doesn't end there. It goes further and it goes deeper. It's more exciting. So with that fasting came uh, a change of the name of our church. We went from Baldensville Assembly of God to Word of Life Assembly of God. We, we changed our, our constitution and bylaws to accommodate the vision that we feel God taking us on. We, we started small groups, which is a brand new thing back in 1997. There weren't very many small groups in churches, but it began to happen. It was something that we decided to take on. And then with a church attendance of only about 300 people back then, back in, in, in uh, 2002, this church voted on building a $2.8 million thousand seat auditorium here at Word of Life. Not just this area, this, this whole addition is 23,000 square feet in size. We had the vision and we heard from God that we were supposed to move forward with that and that's exactly what we did. We, we, we moved forward with this whole thing in 2002. We only had 300 people. We didn't have 2,000, we only had 300 people and this is what we've, we've done. That audacious dream, that audacious dream that's been in my heart and in my soul as lead pastor of Word of Life. Let me share, share with you what that dream is. And that is that there would be scores and scores and scores of people, young and old alike, who would come into a life-changing, a life-giving relationship with God right here at Word of Life. I, I, we've been able to see different times of services and prayer and things that we've done. We've been able to see in the, in the spirit realm, I guess you would call that, we could see in faith, we could see people coming in and finding Christ. What you don't know is on the floor underneath this carpet are names of our family and friends, neighbors, classmates, co-workers, whoever they may be. Their names are written on here. As a result of that, I probably am stepping on that person that I've wanted to step on for a long time, but we are believing for God to move in their lives. We have been seeing that. We, we could see that. People who would come into a life-giving, life relationship with God right here at Word of Life and through Word of Life, that people would radically change, uh, th th that they would be radically, that God would radically change their lives from the inside out and that God himself, God himself through us would reach the religious and the irreligious who would reach the believer and the non-believer, 
who would reach the good sinner and the, and the baddest of all sinners, that God would use word of life in reaching many people, that they would come to know God, that people young and old would know God, that people young and old would know God. Our children would know God. Our teenagers, some of what you saw earlier, our teenagers would know God, that we would know God, old or young, however we would be, that we would know God, that we would find freedom, we would find freedom from our past. I don't know about you, but I've got a pretty rocky past. And I still mess up quite a bit. And the fact of the matter is, is that God wants us to be free of all of that. That we would find freedom. That we would find freedom as well. And also that we would discover our purposeful design. In other words, you, you are hardwired by God for the passions and the abilities and the talents and the dreams and the gifts that you have. God has hardwired every single one of us. It's in our DNA how God has made us to be uniquely different but yet the same. And lastly, of course, that we would be a people that would make a difference, making a difference in the lives of others. I want to remind you, I want to remind you, I just finished, I just finished a five-week series on dealing with hearing God, hearing God's voice, and in keeping, in keeping with this audacious dream that God laid on my heart all the way back in June of 1992, while on my first sabbatical. I've never taken a sabbatical before. That means you got a, a, a time away. You get away, you get recharged and rebooted, and that happened for me in, in, uh, in April of 2016. So while on my first sabbatical, I heard God speak to me again. I can take you to the exact spot in the condo where I was standing in Myrtle Beach. I can tell you exactly where I was and tell you exactly what God said. And here's what God said. I got up off the chair. I walked over to this spot in the kitchen and I heard God say, do the life path with Church of the Highlands. Do the life path with Church of the Highlands. That means nothing to you. But that meant everything to me because I know what, I know what that meant. I know what the life path or um, the growth track of Church of the Highlands, I knew exactly. And in order for that dream to come to pass, I would quickly learn that we need to revamp, revamp our membership class here at Word of Life. And Church of the Highlands offers a great uh, membership model to be incorporated. And we have decided to do that. What I want to do is give you a seven-minute window, maybe six but I want to give you a seven-minute window of something that is cutting edge right now happening here at Word of Life. Some things that, that uh, you may or may not know that's taking place. And it's all good. This is, this is really exciting. God is continuing to have this audacious dream to unfold before my very eyes and many of us who have been working together. So let me explain to you about this call where God says, I want you to, to go with the grow of Church of the Highlands. Last fall, last fall, the elders and myself had a staff member come in from the Church of the Highlands, and uh, he visited Word of Life, and he was coming to do a church evaluation. The guy's name is John Jones, a good friend of mine now. He's a, he's a good man. He's a good friend, uh, and uh, they're out of uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and, and many other locations in Alabama. Um, so John came in, and he sat in the back. Marianne, my wife, was his guide, taking him around, showing him everything, et cetera, and uh, he, he loved the church. <clears throat> He just absolutely, he loved the church. He loved our building. He loved the people of the church. He said, they're kind. They're welcoming. I, they're great. It's, it's wonderful. It's, a, it's, it's appealing. It's, it's wonderful how they are. He loved our service that we had, the worship service and all. He loved our ministries that we have, the things that we do here at Word of Life. It, it was all with excellence. It, it looked really good. Um, and above all, he told me he loved the preacher. I won't tell you who was preaching, but he loved the preacher. Um, and, and he noted, he noted at the end of, of our evaluation that there were a few weak spots that just need to be addressed. 
If we're going to move forward, if we're going to have that impact of reaching more people who are far from God, we, we need to do things that would be more attractive. We need to do things that would work better for people, and especially those who are unbelievers or those who are unchurched. This would be a better way to go. So there's a couple of things that needed to have some attention. And w- number one, which we've been working on now for months, is our signage. You know, the, the, our, our complexes, these two buildings, we call this the North Campus, the school side is the South Campus. That's 75,000 square feet of of space, 75,000, 75,000, that's a lot of space. And so we had poor signage, uh, so we needed better signage so that our guests would feel comfortable trying to find where to go at what, even to find a bathroom. For, for many times, we didn't have much of a sign on the bathroom doors, and people are going, where's the bathroom? Where's, I go, where's the bathroom? You know, that kind of thing. So um, secondly, what he said, and many of you know this as well, we would go from two services to one, and we did that uh, after the uh, Easter service in, in April of this, this last year, the next Sunday we went from two services to having one. It was more healthy and better for us to do that. And the number one priority that needed to change as soon as possible is what uh, John Jones says was our membership process. Our membership process. That needed to be revamped. And primarily and positively, it needs to happen more than just two times a year. Because that's all we were doing with our membership, was two times a year typically is what we would do. Again, Highlands has a great membership model to be able to be incorporated, and they just give it to you. If you would like to use it in any way, some of it, none of it, all of it, whatever you would want, it's okay. And all of that, just so you know, for Randy, for me, it, all of that just confirmed within me what God spoke to me on with the sabbatical. As all of this was unfolding, and by the way, you don't know this, many of you may not know this, but it was at that time, um, it was at that time that uh, uh, Claude had also, my sabbatical, then Claude retired and uh, relocated over to Rochester. And I think this Sunday, is it this Sunday they're, they're launching? Does anybody know? Next Sunday, okay. Um, Claude ended up going there, and as well as Karen Hart, our kids pastor, and uh, Dan Dillon, our creative arts guy, um, ended up going there. And then my son died. My, our son died on September 4th of 2016 as well. So things were just on hold for a while because it was just sort of crazy, especially for my wife and I. And then finally we, we began to move forward. And uh, so all of this was confirming what God spoke to me on my sabbatical. And then so over the next, the last 29 months from the time of my sabbatical up to now, the elder board and the pastoral staff, we have worked many, many hours to revamp the most important thing we need to do with, with our church moving forward is to revamp our member class, our membership class. And so it is, it is in three easy steps that will uh, give clear vision Three easy steps that will be easily understood. Three clear steps that will be offered every month, but right now, but the month of December. We're thinking December we won't do this simply because of the holidays and all that other stuff. So our new life path will be so easy, will be so easy that even a caveman can do it. Just so you know. So our new life path, we're calling it our life path. Our membership class is called Life Path. Uh, Our new life path guides you to discover your redemptive purpose and to live the life that God created you to live. Because God says, "I, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for your life. I have something that I want you to do. I know these plans are gonna be for you. So, um, Life path is easily understood, remember, with three easy steps. Step number one, step number one of the life path is become a member. That's where you would become a member. And that takes place on the first Sunday of every month. And then the second step, step number two, is to discover your design. And of course, that takes place on the 
Second Sunday of the month, you're beginning to catch on. I told you it would be easy, as, as easy as a caveman himself can do this now. That's not that big of a deal. And uh, you would discover your design and you will do a personality and gifting profile to discover your design. Like I said, we're all hardwired by God, and you will discover how you are wired by God. Step number three is to make a difference, and that takes place on the third Sunday of the month, of the month. So step three gives you the opportunity to get involved with ministry now. Once you've gone through one, two, and three in a, in a given month, or maybe you're going to break it up in a couple of different months, you're going to do that. But once you have gone through the three steps, then you can get in ministry now. So life path is going to begin officially on October 7th of 2018. In just a couple more weeks, we're going to do session number one. And uh, Life Path will begin immediately following our um, Sunday morning service. So we will explain more of this as we get closer, as we're moving forward. So Life Path begins uh, uh, following the Sunday morning service. Step number one is on the first Sunday of the month. Step number two is on the second Sunday. And the third step is on the third Sunday of the month. Okay, now I'm going to stop talking about Life Path. And I want to get to some inspirational things. We're going to give you more information as we go forward so that you're comfortable with this and you understand where we're going and what we're doing. Part of becoming a member at Word of Life, if you're going to be a member, you need to know God. You need to know God. And that's my emphasis of this message as I begin to close down. Don't get too excited. I'm not quite done yet. Not just knowing God, not, not just knowing God in your head, not just knowing God religiously, but knowing God personally. You need to know God personally. My friend, when, <clears throat> when you know God personally, it changes everything in your life. No matter what may come your way in life, knowing God personally, it changes everything. No matter what it is, no matter what comes your way. Today, if you were to push the pause button on all your past religious experiences that you've had, whether they were good or bad, and if you were to read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you were to read the four Gospels that talk about the, the life that Jesus lived among us, there, the written account of Jesus' life among us in the New Testament, if you were to read them, I believe, I believe that you would be blown away. I believe that you would be pleasantly surprised. Because you would see every time that God talks, every time that Jesus would talk about religion or talk about God or talk about church or talk about the Bible, whenever Jesus would do that kind of stuff, it was always focused on this extraordinary relationship with God and people. Whenever Jesus would do this, whenever Jesus would talk about this, this there, there would be this extraordinary relationship with God and people. And one of the reasons why Jesus came to this planet was to tell us and to show us who God really is and what God really is like and how unusually and surprisingly relational God really is. Some of us may not understand that, may not believe that. Maybe you've not had great experiences with God. But Jesus would tell us those things. He would tell us uh, how unusually surprising, how unusually and surprisingly relationally our God really is. Jesus says, you call him your father. When you pray, you say, my father, our father of heaven. He talks about that kind of a relationship. He declares that you and I are his sons and his daughters. I shared this in the former series that I just done. He would, he, Jesus would talk about sheep and shepherds. He would use this as a metaphor. And he would talk to the people of that particular day 
helping them to understand who God is and what God is like. He would, he would give them the teaching and um, helping them to understand this metaphor that, that, that I'm a shepherd and you are my sheep. And this is how God really is. And all of that rang clear to the people back in that particular day because they understood, they understood that, that a shepherd would love the sheep and protect the sheep and do all of that for them. So God is our father and we are his sons and we are his daughters. Jesus says, I'm the shepherd and you are my sheep. Jesus' teaching and explanation about God was intensely intentional and relational. Let me say that again. Jesus' teaching and explanation about God and people were intensely and intentionally intentional and relational. So let me be blunt here with you just for a minute. If your approach to God, if your approach to religion, if your approach to Christianity is anything less than that, anything less than intensely intentional and relational, then perhaps you have really missed something that is here with God in the scriptures. Or maybe you are completely on a different path than what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talks about. Because the invitation to follow Jesus means, the invitation to follow Jesus means that you and I are personally invited into an extraordinary, extraordinary relationship with God. We're invited to this kind of a relationship with God that we, most of us, really don't understand and can hardly believe. The Holy Scriptures declare that Jesus extended to people that invitation to follow me. Everywhere he went, follow me. Follow me is what Jesus would say to every kind of person that would be out there, young and old alike, the rich, the poor, the smart, the not so smart, the su successful, the not so successful, the spiritual, the not so spiritual, the, the believer and the unbeliever, even to the vilest of sinners, Jesus would say to them, follow me, know me, know who I am, know who God is, why? Because people mattered to God. He desperately loves people. He desperately loves you. And believe it or not, God wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be your heavenly father. I had a great dad. I don't know what kind of father you were raised with. My dad was a great dad, so this is easy for me to receive. But for some of us, if you're telling me he's going to be like my, my original dad, my father, my biological dad, I want nothing to do with this. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's God who would be our heavenly father and with every other person he desires to be in that kind of a relationship. Those of our past, present, or future. And it's not enough to just believe. No, it's go, it goes deeper than that. It's not enough to just believe. You've gotta go deeper than that. You see, God wants you to put your faith in him. God wants you and me to follow him wherever he leads us. Take it from me. And sometimes the path that he leads us on is not easy, an easy path to walk on. But he wants to lead us. He wants us to follow him wherever he goes. And God wants each of us to be more and more like his son, Jesus. I said this earlier. Knowing God personally, it changes everything. No matter what you may be going through in your life, no matter what may be happening, good or bad, knowing God personally changes everything. And the bottom line is, is that we are called by God to reach those who are far from God. When we come to know God, the, the assignment now begins that you and I are to help those who don't know God to be introduced to God. You see, Jesus made it perfectly clear. His reason, his mission for coming to earth was to seek and to save the lost, found in Luke chapter 19. It is the single most important thing that we do as followers of Jesus, of knowing Jesus. You see, it's all about God's incredible, reckless love.
for all people. For all people. And that was the number one reason why Jesus came into this world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We find in the scriptures that followers of Jesus were called to go and do what Jesus did. In John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, Jesus says, the works that I do will do also. He will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Our mission to be reaching people who are far from God is the same mission that Jesus himself had. And then Jesus says, and greater works will we do than even what he himself has done. It's incredible. You see, there's just no other option for those who are lost, for those who are hopeless and broken and are without Christ. There's just no other option for them. We, we focus so much on this life as if this life is all that there is to life. God's word makes it perfectly clear that, that there is an eternal life that goes beyond this life. We are at one level of life, but then, then there's an eternity to follow all of, us, all of this. This is not easy to talk about. This is not easy to say, but there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. 67% of American Christians do not believe in hell. 67%, 67% of American Christians do not believe in hell. They believe it's nothing but a myth in the scriptures. Heaven, and, heaven or hell is, uh, is a rea reality. We see clearly within the scriptures, people are going to spend eternity in either one of those two places, heaven or hell, and there is no in-between either. Every person of every generation, past, present, and future, are either going to spend eternity in heaven with God, where the Bible says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has in store for those who love him or they're going to end up in hell, eternally separated from God and others forever. And there is no hope in hell. And I don't even like talking about this. I don't even like sharing. I know I've shared it a lot of recent, but I have to, because it's a reality. It's something that I want us to wake up and realize. People are going to one of two places. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, whoever they may be in your life. They're either going to heaven or they're not. And we have been called by God to do something about that. That regardless of the cost, that we would be on mission to do the same thing that Jesus was doing. There's just no other option for those who are lost, for those who are hopeless and broken without Christ, to be saved. You see, it's on us. It's on the church. It's on the church down the road. It's on the church in the other states, other nations, and other countries. It's on the church to, to do that, to rescue it's on us to, to uh, reach people who are far from God to do what we can. We need to reach people who are far from God and are irreligious, unchurched at all cost. I want to share with you a quick story of what happened to me back in 2009. Many years ago, um, in the late 70s and early 80s, I put in about eight years at Crucible Steel. Worked there for a number of years, and as a Christ follower, being there at the steel mill, I was mocked a lot, picked on. I was the brunt of jokes often. Um, there were a lot of accusations and lies that would come my way. But regardless of all of that, I loved it, man. I really, really loved that. I loved being in the steel mill. I loved being with these men that I was working with. I came into relationship with a lot of them. They ended up where I was working with the hot steel. They, there, there was a cage around me to protect me when, this, when the steel would just go crazy and not go where it's supposed to go. And, uh, and uh, they put a cross on the top of that cage. And they called it the Rod and Bar Mill Chapel. 
And that's where people would come. And I literally talked with people about God and all that stuff. It was really cool. It was really neat. Um, I invited those guys to church all the time. I, I would invite people continuously. And one guy that I really liked and we became good friends is a guy by the name of, of Grubby. His nickname is Grubby. And uh, Grubby, um, him and his wife Sue, I helped them with building their house. I did some different things for them. Uh, my father-in-law had a bulldozer and a backhoe and I did some of, the, some of that kind of stuff with, with Grubby to help him through. We, we became friends. He came to church probably three, four, five times. I don't remember exactly. It, we didn't have any of this then. It, this is years and years ago. And... Uh, and uh, he, would, he would come to church two or three times, and we would talk about Jesus. But Grubby had the kind of attitude at the end of talking about Jesus, he would always poke fun and make jokes. So I never really knew where he was at. I wasn't sure exactly where Grubby was at in his life. And uh, so in January of 2009, I ended up going to a hospital to visit uh, someone who had been injured. And uh, I had gone to the hospital, and I'm out in the hallway talking to family and friends, and all of a sudden somebody slaps me on the back. And as he slaps me on the back, I turn around, and it's Grubby. I go, Grubby. I haven't seen him in years. It's been years. And Grubby, where are you going? And he's walking with his daughter. He's fast-paced. He's a big guy. He's fast-paced, and he's going to the elevator, and he does this. He goes, call me. I got to tell you something. Call me. And he's, he's from here to the door away, and I, I couldn't hear what he was saying. And I says, Grubby. And he went in the elevator, and he was gone. He was gone. That was a Sunday. In 24 hours after that particular meeting, in 24 hours after that particular meeting, Grubby was at the steel mill and he was trying to adjust some water from what I'm understanding. He was trying to adjust water going onto the billets and all of that, that kind of stuff. And, um, and he slipped and fell. And when he fell, he literally went into one of the rollers and he was killed instantly. Well, not quite instantly. He lived a little bit afterwards, but it took his life. Man, that rocked me. I just saw him. And he said this, call me. I want to tell you something. I had no clue what he wanted. Ended up going to the calling hours, got there, got ahead of the line, and I got to Sue, and I just held her. We both cried, and oh my God, I'm just so sorry. I'm heartbroken over this. And I looked at Sue and I said, Sue, here's what Grubby said. Call me. I got to tell you something. What did he want to tell me? What did he, he never told me. He got in the elevator. He never, what did he want to tell me? And she said this. He wanted to tell you that he loves you. And, um, and that he watches you on TV every Sunday. <laughs> that the TV program that we had, we're not doing it anymore. That's not, it's not the emphasis. But he was watching every Sunday. And he wanted me to tell you that everything is all right. And, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming that he received Christ as Savior. I'm assuming that he committed his life to Christ is what I'm assuming. My friend, you need to understand that when it comes to the end, you've got to make a decision whether you're going to follow God or not. There's no other hope but people finding Christ to be their Lord and to be their Savior. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 3, this incredible love of God that's, that caused Jesus to raise from the dead, that same love is in us. And there will come a point in your walk with God that you will love those who are far from God. That you will want to be involved. That you will be a person of compassion trying to reach them. What stirred the heart of Jesus is going to stir your heart as well. We all know some different people in our lives 
Different people who have had such a compassionate heart for other people. They had the compassion for the poor, for sick, for the homeless, for orphans, for those who are, seem to be bedridden in homes and all kinds of situations and backgrounds like you would imagine. They really seem to have a compassion for those who are hungry and who are really hurting in life. Well, that's sort of an introduction. There is, there's an amazing woman of God who is a member at Word of Life and has been a leader at Word of Life for many years and, and uh, who has that kind of a heart. This woman has a heart for people who are in difficult places and she really has a heart for people who don't know God, who are far from God. Things have been stirring within her and she asked me, is there any way that I could share my story? So I wanna introduce you to Tina, Tina Parsley. She's going to share about a four minute video of her story. My name is Tina Parsley and um, I wanna tell you my story. I was brought up as a Catholic, and when I tell people that, I always follow that statement up with, I loved my Catholic upbringing. It, um, it was just something that gave me a true reverence for God. Early, in, when I was a child, I, I remember um, watching my, grand, my other grandmother pray every night, and it was just such a beautiful sight to watch her pray, and that, so that's something that I always did. I always prayed to God, but with being a Catholic, I think that it, as I got older, I don't really think that I had a true sense of who Jesus was. Come 1994, I really went into quite the depression. My father-in-law had just passed away. Uh, I just had my son and it just, uh, my whole life I really dealt with a lot of anxiety. And so just losing my father-in-law and just having my child really amplified all those anxieties and I went into quite the depression. At the time that I was dealing with all this depression, I, I was working for some Christians who told me and shared with me about a different Jesus than the Jesus that I knew growing up that just hung on the cross. As I'm hearing about this different Jesus and going through this depression, I started really digging into scripture, devotions, doing sermons on tapes. And I remember one day, I just couldn't take it anymore and I just got on my knees and I said, Jesus, I give you my life. July 6, 2017 became one of the most challenging times of my life. I went in for a mammogram and found out that I had breast cancer. Uh, within two months of finding out that I had breast cancer, I had found out that it really was metastatic stage four breast cancer. Um, cure was taken off the table and the whole goal with my doctors is to extend my life. And since then it has continued to spread up my spine and it has made its way to my liver. And this has been the most challenging year of my life. Many months ago, after I had found out that I had stage four breast cancer, I was praying and I was telling God that I wanted more time. And, and he really had me pondering, okay, you've, you, you've had 50 years of a great life. I can give you more time, but what do you want to do with that, with that time? And I just want to let people know that there is this ultimate God in heaven that means good, that has purpose in your life. No matter how much time I have, I have purpose. I have kingdom work to do. After 28 years of seeing what God has done in my life, just knowing him, knowing that he's got a plan for me, he's got good, he's got love, he's got peace, joy, um, 
people can have that too. They just need to dig in. They just need to dig in and open their hearts to God and, and let them know and let Him know that they want to turn their lives over to Him. And He can do amazing things. He can do amazing things through whatever journey that you have going on. And knowing that I'm going through this cancer journey, I still have hope that I know that when my time is done here, I still have eternity before me. And it's a beautiful thing. Great job, Tina. Great job. <clears throat> I just, uh, I just love Tina and Mark so very much. They're wonderful people. They went through the, some of the greatest challenges that we would ever go through. And did you hear her story? She just wants people to know that there's a God of heaven who loves them and has a plan for their life. I'm going to ask if you would please just bow your head and close your eyes. If I could have the intercessors make their way to the front, that would be great. Listen, there's more to life than just this life. There's more to life than just this life. You need to know God personally. That's a decision that only you can make. Your life on planet Earth sometime is going to end. I don't know when it's going to be for you. Your opportunity, your opportunity to be rescued and and saved and forgiven is over if you don't do this before you die. You need to commit yourself to Christ. Maybe you've been sensing something deep going on inside of you of recent. Maybe you're feeling a tug or a desire to move toward God in some way. Listen, I want to make it clear to you. We're not trying to get you to stay at Word of Life. You're welcome to stay. We would love to have you stay. But we want you to know God. We want you to know God. He's the one that can change everything for your future. He's the one that can change your life. He can forgive you of your sin. And he's the one that will lead you all the way to heaven. He will take you and I. Every one of us are going to die at some point. And he wants to take us all the way to heaven. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? I want this to be a private moment for us. Maybe you're here today and you are feeling that tug. And I'm going to pray for you, all of you, in just a moment. And when I do, if you would like me to be praying for you, I won't call you by name, but I will certainly pray for all of you. Um, I'm going to ask you to just lift up your hand here in just a moment and hold it up while I pray. It's not going to be a very long prayer, but if that would be your desire. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, because I want this to be private and an opportunity without people holding back. If, if you would like to today to commit yourself to Christ, to believe in God in a way you've never had before, to know Him, to know him even better than you do now. If you would just lift up your hand and hold up right now, I, I want to pray for you around this audience. Come on. There's many of you. Maybe you've walked away from God and you're coming back. Lift up your hand as well. Let's just do that. There's a lot of us. Come on. Father God, I want to pray for every one of us whose hands are raised, that God, you would make yourself known to each and every one of us in a very personal way. You've created us. We read the scriptures. We're uniquely, wonderfully made by you. You know everything about our whole life, even before one day has been entered into the book your scripture says. And I pray for these who are considering receiving Christ as Savior. Jesus, would you forgive us of our sin? Would you become the Lord and leader of our life? And we commit this to you today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. To connect with our church, head over to wordoflifeag.org connect. We'd love to have you join us for one of our services. Our service times are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For more information on our church, head over to wordoflifeag.org. Thanks for joining us.